Put your hands on your heart. Father, I ask for your anointing in here this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. We ask you, Lord, to to lead us and direct us this morning. We give you full permission to do whatever you want to do in our lives. God, we open ourselves up to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. So good to see everybody on this morning. It's so good to walk out the front door and not be in four degrees. It's amazing. All right. Let me tell you, power and authority go hand in hand. If you have one and not the other, it's not a good thing. If you have power and no authority, that's no good. If you have authority but no power, that's no good. You need both. You need both working together. And this is the power that God wants us to walk in in the church. So two, two, three weeks ago, I started talking about the Holy Spirit. And so it's really been in my heart. I feel like this season is the, is the right season to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. We talked about his purpose. We talked last week about salvation, what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in salvation. But today I want to start, begin to get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what that means. So I'm going to ask you to turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And last week I, I talked a little bit about John chapter 20. And at the end of John, or in John chapter 20, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He appears to the disciples and he breathes on them in verse 22. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. So at this time, this is when salvation occurs. You have three baptisms in the New Testament. There's the baptism of regeneration, which is the born again experience. There's baptism in water where the old man is buried and you come up a new person, right? And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit because in Acts chapter one, uh, Luke is actually the author of both the book of Luke and Acts. It actually all goes together. He wrote it all together. And so Luke says this in verse four of chapter one, being assembled together, the, the, talking about the disciples, being assembled together with them, he commanded them, talking about Jesus, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So interesting that he has this moment where he comes in and meets with the disciples and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But now he's talking about a separate baptism. A baptism, a baptism means you're immersed. And so why is this important? Why are they going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? He tells them in verse eight. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is part of the reason that we're going to India is we're going to be witnesses for him. Amen? But this word power in verse 8 is from the word dunamai, which means miraculous power. Miraculous power. Everywhere in Scripture where you see power in action, 
the Holy Spirit is present. He's the power. We talked about this two weeks ago that, that God is the one that gives the command. Jesus is the action, the word sent, and the Holy Spirit is the one that provides the power. He's the generator. You ever turn the generator on? It's that, it's that power, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read to you what the handbook of the Acts of the Apostles had to say about this verse. It says this, the reference is to the miraculous power to be given to the disciples by which they would do work, they, they would be able to work miracles. This is the miraculous power that the Holy Spirit wants to come on them so that they are no longer just human. Now, God's super is on their natural. So they, you want to talk about superheroes. Everybody's been so obsessed with superheroes. You turn into one when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then he gives you the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He gives you the ability to pray prayers of faith and literally watch those come into fruition and watch them happen. Now, turn over to Mark 16. Mark 16, because these are the signs that follow believers. A believer that has now been filled with the Spirit, these are some of the signs. In verse 17, it says this, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Well, that would be fun to get some people up here and get a demon-possessed person, let you take turns. You will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm, I'm working my way there. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. Now think about this. Jesus didn't do any miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Remember, he was baptized. John saw the Holy Spirit descend on him in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit came on him. Suddenly, Jesus is released and doing miracles. Same way with the disciples. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, there's 120 of them gathered in a room. The Holy Spirit comes in like a mighty wind. Tongues of fire sit on them, but you don't read about the miracles that they did until after the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit, he said, you shall receive power. Miraculous power. The Holy Spirit Oh, he's the one that makes it work better. <laughs> I loved what Corey Tenboon said. She said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. And I don't know about you, but I would rather do ministry that way. I would rather things flow out of me instead of me having to toil, having to grind and figure out how this thing works, amen? So he said, he said that you will receive power, right? Power to do what? Power to be a witness unto him. A witness, how can I be a witness unto him, Phil? I wasn't there, I didn't see Jesus. No, you, you are now a witness because the great witness lives on the inside of you. You got born again, the witness came to live not only on the inside of you, he came now upon you if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So, but listen to what the IVP New Testament commentary says about this. By this spirit baptism, 
They will receive the supernatural ability to work miracles and preach effectively. Their witness will be bold and will produce conviction leading to positive or negative decisions. Not everybody's gonna agree with you when you minister to them. Have you ever had any kickback when you tried to minister to people? You know, I, let me tell you, we've got it easy here in Arkansas. You minister to people, most people will let you pray for them here. Go out west. Go out in some other places and, and you'll, you'll get another experience. So what's the purpose of this power? The power that comes on you. What is the purpose of it? In Acts 10.38, it tells it. It tells us. It's going to be on the screen, but you can turn there as well. Acts 10.38. Talking about when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So the Holy Spirit in me is for me. The Holy Spirit on me is for you. All right. So let's look at baptism. Back up to uh, Matthew 3. Turn over to Matthew 3. John was baptizing people in water unto repentance. And John had this to say in verse 11. He was explaining to his disciples who Jesus was going to be, who the Messiah was going to be, and what he was going to do. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. So it's going to be a completely different baptism. So then look at verse 14. Then John, when the Messiah came, when Jesus came, and John saw him, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to baptize you. I want you to baptize me. John was trying to jump ahead into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This, my, this is Phil theology here, okay? Because I'm thinking I would be the same way if, if God had given me a heads up of the kind of baptism that the Messiah, that the, the Jesus would bring, I would want him to baptize me. Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit and in fire. But Jesus said, no, you need to baptize me. They're not there yet. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't died and been resurrected. And so, and he hasn't sent the Holy Spirit yet, right? And so he says, no, I need to be baptized by you. And so he baptizes Jesus and what happens? The dove descends on Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And then after the baptism was over, what happens with Jesus? Where does he go? The Holy Spirit drives him, Scripture says, into the wilderness. Drive, yeah, that sounds like, yeah. You know, drives him into the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting. How many are breaking the fast today with us? Okay. Yeah. We're excited because we get to eat something other than fruit and veggies. But anyway, so, so he goes into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting in prayer, and he's being tempted by the devil. I want to submit to you that, that, that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. God never places you in a position where you're being tempted by the enemy, where he hasn't given you the means to have victory 
over him. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I'm quoting that scripture because Jesus took scripture with him. He knew what the word of God said, that when the enemy came and he tempted him and when the enemy came and he came in all these different, uh, with all these different ideas and these different approaches, Jesus didn't bend scripture. He knew what scripture said and he rebuttaled every remark by giving him the word of God. Because see, God won't allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. If you're going through something, that's why scripture says when you're going through something, rejoice. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than the trials and the tribulations that you're going through then the things that you are faced with, the the things that you're having to deal with, greater is he who is in you because God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. I remember when my mom experienced her massive heart attack and I was in there the first night and it just looked like she wasn't gonna make it. It looked like she could die right there on the table. In fact, they were were asking us all kinds of questions and and when you when you're in a the CCU and you're in a person's room that's hooked up hooked up to every machine that they could be hooked up to and you see a line of seven uh, nurses around the wall and you're thinking doesn't anybody else need help it doesn't look real good they're ready to pounce <laughs> and bring her back to life because they were concerned she was going to flatline well let me tell you the scripture that kept me mom that night was that very scripture that God will not allow me to be tempted beyond that which I'm able. I'm not walking through something that he hasn't given me the ability to have the victory over. But what are you gonna focus on? Are you gonna focus on the problem? Are you gonna focus on the answer? Are you gonna look at your mountain and and examine your mountain and see how big your mountain is and, and maybe watch your mountain even grow bigger? Or are you going to turn your perspective and your vision toward the answer? the God who cares enough about you that he provided the answer for you. So 40 days, he's in the wilderness. He comes out and it says in Luke 4 verse 14, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. You know that that's what happens when you come out of a victory when you've done all that you can do to stand and having done all to stand, you continue to stand and you get the victory in your life, it brings you out in the spirit of power. Let me ask this question before we go any further. Jesus when he started his ministry, so he's been baptized, he's gone into the wilderness, come out of the wilderness in the spirit of power. What did he spend the bulk of his time doing? Go ahead, you can shout it out. I can listen. He healed people. He went about doing exactly what we read, right? He healed those who were oppressed by the devil. What else did he do? He preached the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. So he preached, but he also performed signs and wonders. He also prayed for, you know, he ministered healing to people. 
We pray. We pray in Jesus' name for people. We lay hands on people, right, as Christians. But it was a, it was a show and tell gospel. That's my point. He not only had proclamation, but there was the demonstration. We talked about this on Wednesday night with the, with the group that we're going through evangelism and how, how to reach people and how to minister to people and how to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he had proclamation. It's not enough to just stand in here and preach it. I got to go home and live this. It's not enough for you to sit here and listen to the gospel being preached. We have to go and be the gospel, demonstrate the gospel to the people that we're around. And that looks different. We're not trying to get you to do something disingenuous to your personality type. But there is a point where you say, God, I am all in. And I am not going to hide the fact that I am a Christian, that I am in love with Jesus. And I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to live out loud in front of people. Because it takes a risk. This is... Man, I loved something that Bill Johnson said yesterday when he was doing this Q&A. He was talking about that when he was really, they really desired to see signs and wonders and miracles in their services. And I do too, so much in here. I mean, that's, that's what we go after. Is we want people to be free. We want people to encounter God. We know that when people encounter God, it changes everything in their life. You know, you had a point where you encountered God that, that caused you to become a believer, you know? It doesn't happen by debate, it happens by proof, <laughs> you know? You see the proof of it in fruit. And anyway, and, and Pastor Bill was talking about how they really had this desire to see signs and wonders. And he said, and the guys that he was listening to that were experiencing the results that he wanted to see in his church, he was preaching the same messages. He said, I was preaching the same messages. I was hearing the same illustration. I would even use the same illustrations they were using. He said, but the difference was they were having fruit and I wasn't. He said, but I realized what the problem was. Risk. He said, they were willing to risk and to step out and to do something that was uncomfortable because the comforter is with you and he's the one that comforts you in the midst of being uncomfortable. Risk, it's stepping out. What is risk? It's stepping out on the truth that you believe. You're a believer. And, and when I choose to step out on the truth, when mom was in her situation, we stepped in, in, in the hospital, we stepped out on the truth of what we believed. We started looking up, you know, Boy, we put the word to work. I mean, I thank God that I already had a lot of word recognized because, or, or, or memorized because I would, I would quote healing scriptures a lot. Uh, leading up to that, God was so gracious to me. I'd been studying for three years in depth on healing and, and what it was. And so I had these scriptures memorized and I would quote them every day. And I thank God for that. But as we were facing situations, I had to get in the word and find more that would, uh, that would associate more closely to the situation she was going through and allow God to bring that off of the page so that I knew that we could pray that over mom. And it, anyway, it, I had an opportunity to exercise what I believed. Go over to Acts 3. Acts 3. Rebecca, 
Could you come and help me? Thanks. <clears throat> yeah, I think I messed up your faders. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I did up there. You got like 13 faders. I'm trying to figure out. How do I just get the piano? Where's the piano? All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3. Now, we're going to look at an account with Peter and John. Peter and John are, are the disciples, and now they've, they've walked through in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit has come upon them in power. And now they're going in verse 1. They're, they're going together into the temple. It's the hour of prayer, about the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb, was, who was carried, um, whom, whom lay at the at the daily at the gate of the temple that was called beautiful he would ask alms of those who entered the temple and when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple he asked them for alms and fixing his eyes on him Peter with John Peter looks at this man and he says look at us what is this this is a person that's willing to take risk this is a person that's willing to risk the thing that's interesting to me here is it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that. Excuse me, I just need to blow my nose real quick. So it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit led him. I, I loved, <clears throat> we were listening to Sammy Rodriguez yesterday, and it was so timely. Um, he was talking about two different kinds of people. He talked about, he said that <clears throat> there's the type of people that sit at the red light and they wait for the green light to go, to do something, to be already stepping out. He said, I'm, I'm the opposite. He said, I go and do it, and I wait for the red light to stop me if it's not God. And as I was listening to this, I was like, this is a great way to live. You know, we've heard, be a car and drive. And that goes back to, you know, um, I'm trying to find like Steve and my generation, you know, where, where they didn't have power steering. And so you wanted to push the vehicle down the road a ways so that, you know, and the person in there without power steering, it gets easier to turn because the car's moving. You guys today with power steering and all the technology, you don't, you can sit still and spin the wheel and the tires move. You know, that wasn't, you break your arm back in my day, you know, if you, because you were, you know. And so be a car in motion, but, but this is what Peter is doing is Peter is going ahead and if I get a red light, I'll stop. He's willing to risk. See, some of you, when you heard about the India trip, you, a red light came up before you. But maybe it's not God that's the red light. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's because you're the kind of person that's a red light person until you feel like you get the green light. I feel like I'm talking to somebody in here. I'm not just trying to get people to go to India. That, that got no benefit. I mean, here, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to encourage you. Be that, the kind of person that goes and let God stop you. God will redirect your path. I remember my father-in-law, my father-in-law, he's preached here um, many times, and you guys probably know him, Nicole's dad, and he, um, when I was, oh, we were young married, I think, uh, 
Zach, we had just had Zach, and I was looking at um, traveling on the road with him. I was gonna take my keyboard, I was gonna lead worship for him, and we were gonna travel overseas, and I was already planning my trip. I was in motion. I was buying my India ticket, because I was planning to go. And I was in prayer one morning, and as I was in prayer, the Lord said to me specifically, he said, "Tomorrow," he said, uh, when you get done praying, I want you to go look up online on the internet and I want you to search for a worship leading position. And I thought, that's weird. You know, because at the time I was, I was a film editor and I was working at a Christian production company in Tulsa called Impact Productions. And so I was tagging commercials and I was doing production work. And I thought, okay. And I got online and I came across a church that I knew in Austin, Texas. In fact, the pastor, his daughter and I went to school together. We were great friends. We sang in, you know, in youth band together back in the day. And, and, and so I called her and I said, what's going on with your worship leader? Where's he going? Because I knew he had been there for a long time. Well, he feels to go and start a church. And so, you know, we put the word out and she was so excited that I called and it turned into a God thing. Well, the disappointing part was I didn't get to go travel with my father-in-law. He was disappointed. I was disappointed. But I was real excited because I was in motion. He steered me a different direction. He steered me where he wanted me to go instead of what my thoughts were. So let me encourage you, don't sit around. Don't sit around. Don't be the person sitting at the red light going, God, I'm just waiting for a green light. I'm just waiting for you to give me a green light. Give me a green light. Give me a green light. If you did that in business, would that go well, Lance? No. Okay. Where, where was, where, what verse am I, am I even in? Three verse four, look at us. All right. Peter says, look at us. So the man gives him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. This is where Peter is already committed. <laughs> He's a, he is all green on this. I want to read to you a quote by A.W. Tozer right here that I just really felt like, anyway, it just touched my heart. He said this, Oh, that we might yearn for the knowledge and the presence of God in our lives from moment to moment, so that without human cultivation and without toilsome seeking, there would come upon us this endowment that gives meaning to our witness. You guys see that? Okay, verse six, Peter says to him, he says, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received Strength. Do you think that would have happened if Peter wouldn't have been willing to risk? He would have remained the gate beautiful, collecting alms. But Peter was willing to risk. Now, Peter did two things. He spoke words of faith. He said, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but let me give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he not only spoke the words of faith. See, sometimes we become really good at speaking words of faith. 
but he had the actions that went with it. There's always got to be a corresponding action. If you say that you're standing in faith, but then you're not standing in faith in the fruit of your actions, we would call that hypocrisy, wouldn't we? I mean, if I did that, you would call me a hypocrite. We have to have corresponding actions. So he speaks words of faith, then he extends his hands. Come up out of there. He came up out, God healed him, so he, so he leapt up, stood and walked and encountered the temple, or entered the temple, not encountered, hopefully he encountered the temple, but he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Walking, leaping and praising God. Now, listen to this. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from your church today, 95% of what you would do would go on and no one would know the difference. This describes a lot of churches. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. This is another A.W. Tozer quote. But when I read that, I just went, you know, because of the show and tell gospel, sometimes we just get caught up on, on, on the proclamation side. It's about the preaching. It's about having cool music. It's about the lights. It's about, it's about programs. It's about having the right kids programs. It's about right, having the right youth programs. It's about having the right young adult programs. It's about everything that we do as a church organizationally so that we, so that we put it in a nice business package so that we can franchise the gospel across the nation. And where's the power? We can't just have proclamation and not have power. Either it's true, or we might as well go all go out and buy Corvettes and turn this into a Corvette club. I mean, we might as well. We might as well get some Harleys and start a biking game. Because otherwise, what are we doing as a church? Uh, I want to invite. I want to invite several women uh, to the front. I want to invite Kim and Deanna and Nicole. I want you to come and join me. And I'm going to want you to stay. But we're going to start with Kim because I want I want them to share some ways that the Holy Spirit has. When I was thinking about their stories, I was thinking about the ways that the Holy Spirit has led them and and his power has flowed through them in being able to minister to people. And so it's, and, and they, uh, when I was thinking about you, Kim, especially in your story that, that you shared, that it was, a, it was a show and tell gospel. And so you were at the mall. Yes. You were going out with the evangelism team. Yes. And Nicole and I think Candace were talking to a lady and, and you were just kind of looking at her. But what happened? Yeah, um, so Nicole and Candace were talking to a man, and I was just looking at someone like way over there, and I got this feeling in my leg, like a pain down my leg, and God's like, go over to her. So I went over, and all I say is, um, the Lord wanted me to come over here and let you know that he loves you and thinks you're amazing. And then I say, 
um, do you have like a pain in your leg? And she's like, yes. So I was like, can I pray for it? And I prayed and she said it got better. And later I like saw her walking around without a limp anymore. <laughs> so in those, in those words of knowledge, um, the pain doesn't, didn't stay in your leg. It was just an indicator to that might be going on in that person's life. So it's not like you took on their sickness. No, it was an indicator by Holy Spirit to go and you risked, risked. Um, it may, maybe she didn't, but you know what? That's not up to us. No. It's up, it's up to us to obey, to go and obey. So have you, have you, ever, have you ever come across a person and you know, maybe had a word for them and you've been wrong or, you know what I mean? Um, no, actually. No, it's been on it every time. Yes. Wow, glory to God. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just, but I, but I, the reason I bring that up is that sometimes, you know, you feel prompted to step out, but maybe you don't know what to step out on. Maybe, you know, you feel prompted to say something, I, one guy said this and I really liked it. He said, he said, I'm a Christian and some kind, sometimes God tells me things. Yeah. And it was just a very non-threatening way to tell them that this is a word that I have for you. This is something, is this going on in your life? And it's okay. Sometimes it's not that you're wrong. Sometimes it's that they don't want to share it with you or, you know, or want you to be right. I mean, there's all kinds of situations out there, but what I love about your story is that you took a risk and then you were able to pray and God did something amazing. Now, I know a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but a few times when God's given you a word of wisdom or a word, a word of knowledge and you said, hey, is there somebody here who has, you know, sore and, you know, hurt or whatever, and nobody would have responded publicly. Yeah. But then after the service, yeah. people have come up to you and go, They'll hit me up. that was me. You know, it's just like, well, let's pray now. Which is okay. You know? But when you do respond in the public arena, in the family, that faith builds in other people. So don't be embarrassed that like, well, that's, I, I think that's me. Just respond so that other people in the room will be like, wow, God knew about that person. Not that, not that we, we can't read your mail. We don't know what's going on in your life. God's not revealing that stuff to us, but He wants to heal. He wants to, to break things off your life, off of our lives. He wants us to be better. And so when those words come, receive it, yeah. receive it for you. Yeah, now you, um, you, we were at church one morning and you had a, uh, a prompting to go. Yes, um, there was a lady that I, that I used to do um, uh, home health care with and she was on her deathbed she was 106 years old so she was I think wearing out maybe but um but I talked to her you know many times about the Lord and she would always just kind of brush me off she was a Jew and she would be like I'm so old I came over on the ark you know so she had a great sense of humor and we would banter back and forth and and she would light up you know I'd walk in the room and and her her daughter who looked like she was 40 but she was actually 80 because get it yeah. her mom was 106 so anyway <laughs> the 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 young gene really went in that family 
But so the daughter was in the room and I, and I met her for the first time and I was just like, you know, your mom, I just love her. You know, I, I talked to her about the Lord and she's like, how, how does she respond? I'm like, well, she kind of brushes me off and changes the subject. So um, I went a couple of times and then this one time, it was a Sunday, I was, I was not working. I dropped Phil off at the church. I said, I just really want to go see Miss, Miss Ruth because it's close. So I went there, it was cold, I, I got out of the car, went into the room, His daughter was there, a few other family members were there, and, and Miss Ruth was just at a whisper, just at a whisper. So I went over to her, just you know, face to face, and talked with her, and she responded, you know? And I just, I loved on the family, and then I, and I, I left. And as I was walking down the hall of the facility, and I got in my car, or no, but let me jump The daughter, before I left the room, she's like, wow, mom responds to you. And I was like, well, she, I'm, she's a quippy person. I'm sure she responds to everybody. She's just being nice, you know. So I got out in my car, and as soon as I sat down in the car, bam, Holy Spirit said, she responds to you. And I was just like, today is the day of her salvation. I've got to go. I've got to go. It's so soon. So I get out of my car, and as soon as my foot hit the ground, the devil said, oh, but she's not going to respond this time. You're going you're gonna to disappoint her. You're going to disappoint her daughter. You're going to disappoint yourself. Just just let, let her go. I mean, just, oh. So I out loud, shocker, I out loud talked back to the enemy and said, no, I'm going because she responds to me. So in fear and trepidation, I went and I was like this when I walked back into the room. I walked back into the room. Her daughter was brushing her teeth, and I uh, and I said, "I said, your mom responds to me. Let's pray with her now." Because the daughter was a Christian, so I, we walked over to Miss Ruth's bed, and I leaned over her and I said, "Miss Ruth, do you want to be in heaven today? Do you want to receive Jesus?" See, that's a big deal when you're a Jew. You're still waiting on the Messiah. So I wanted to make sure she knew what she was doing. I said, do you want to receive Jesus into your life now, today, so that you, are, you know that you're going to heaven? And she said, yes. And I mean, I just, we're just like, you know? And so we're praying, I'm crying, we're praying. And I, I say Jesus probably 13 times in the prayer. You know, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Just so I knew she knew what she was doing. And then when it was done, we rejoiced. I hugged the daughter and I left and I called my husband on my way back to the church. I said, Miss Ruth's going to heaven. And it happened to be one month after my own mother went to heaven. And it happened to be on my mother's birthday, November 6th. And it was just oh, such an amazing time, but it took risk. It took everything in me to get back up and to go. But praise God, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell me. I didn't have a feeling in my body, but I had a knowing in my spirit and it was so strong. And so right place, right time, praise God. Yeah, so good, man, thank you, God. <clears throat> that was so good. Deanna, you were um, just sharing on Wednesday night, you talked a little bit about driving by the hospital up in Bentonville. Yeah, so I was on my way um, to, an old, to a church I was a part of. We had a meeting in Bentonville. I was already stepping on the gas because I was running a little late. And as I'm driving, I was about to pass Northwest uh, Medical Center or hospital. And I heard the voice of God say, there's a baby in there that's about to die. Go pull over and pray for that child. And I'm like, well, I'm running late. So I just stuck my hand out and I prayed like in the, in the car. 
After I prayed, I, I felt God's like almost like a rebuke. Like I did not tell you to stretch your hand out. I told you to go pull over and go in there and pray over that baby. So I'm like, okay, because I felt like the rebuke and like this fear of God. So I turned around. I went into the um, emergency center and I didn't see any babies. So I went up to the front desk and I said, are there any babies here who are sick or about to die? And they were like, sorry, we can't give that information unless your family or, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I didn't hear God. And the second I turn around in the corner of the room, there was a couple there with a small baby and he was, he just started screaming and crying. So I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So I walk over to them like, hey, I'm like, I believe in Jesus and I believe God sent me here to pray over your baby. What's going on? They were like, well, he's foaming. He was foaming at the mouth and he said, they were saying he had a heart transplant. We, we think he's, his body is rejecting the heart. So I'm like, can I hold him? So I took him in my arms and he's like screaming. And I just began to release life and declare like the blood of Jesus over his life and his body and protection. And he just calmed down like the instant I finished praying. And then, um, so I left, I went to my meeting and then on my way home, like, I'm gonna go see if they're still there, if, you know. So I pull, I pull in and I'm like, hey, I'm like, is that couple still here? I was talking to the front desk. And they were like, we can't tell you, but they're not here anymore. They, yeah, so. <laughs> Give Jesus a hand. Come on. <laughs> hey, stay up here, man. Stay up here with us. So, so here's what we're going to do. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. That you just heard just very practical examples of people that were doing their best to follow what God had put in their heart. You know, some things don't take, you don't have to be prophetic to know. I love when John uh, Hammond shared about this lady that he prayed for that she was wearing a knee brace. You don't need to be prophetic to know something's going on. <laughs> She's, you know, and so some things are not, we over-spiritualize things. When God is just wanting us to obey the practical and just do something, do what you can do. Be the person, the kind of person that's got a green until God gives you a red. Just drive like you own the town. Like every light has to adjust to you, you know? And just, I, I came through, uh, to me, it's a challenge. Every time it comes through Asylum Springs on the way home, coming back from Tulsa, that I'm gonna hit every light green. I just, thank you, Lord. I love it when I hit all the lights green. Yeah, just drive like you own it. Drive like you own it. So here's what I wanna do is we're gonna pray together, um, but I want these ladies to pray. I want them to stay up here because some of you have maybe been going through a situation where you're, you're really wanting to step more into hearing from heaven, being proactive in your, the way that you share the gospel with people. And I just feel like there's an anointing on these ladies in particular to pray over you, lay hands on you, and to agree with you and, and to impart what God has done in them to you. Or maybe you're here and you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you say, I want to. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna be up here as well. But what I'd like uh, y'all to do is, I don't wanna make, Let's do it this way. Would you just bow your heads?